I'm doing the book in Micah, as Mike said. So um, I'll be honest, I, I struggled a little bit with this book because it's the first time I've really went into depth um, to try to understand it. But hopefully I can um, do it justice and explain it best that I can. So firstly, um, to get a bit of a background on the book, let's read the very first verse. So Micah 1.1. 1, 1. So it says, The word of the Lord that came to Micah, the Morisite, in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. So um, from just this first verse, we understand a couple of things. So firstly, who wrote the book? It's Micah. Um, and his name means who is like God or who is like Jehovah. Um, and that is actually one of the themes that we will see in this book. So um, I'll, I'll get into that um, a bit later. But so just in the start of the book or like maybe throughout it, we can see who uh, is like God in judgment. And then towards the end, we see who is like God in mercy. And then so in terms of when was the book written, we can see again in the first verse, it says in the days of Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah. And as we heard previously from Bessam in that um, this was the same time as Isaiah and Hosea and Amos, um, and it's probably around 750 BC, around that time. Um, to whom was it written? We see again in the first verse, it says, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. So we see um, that it's targeted towards them. And again, in verse five, it says, for the transgressions of Jacob is all this, and for the sins of the house of Israel, what is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? So we see here that it's targeted at um, Israel and Judah because of the sins that they had done. Um, so let's ask the question of uh, what did Micah prophesy about? Um, so... He prophesied about the judgment that is to come because the people, because of the people's sins. And he also um, prophesied about the hope to follow that, um, a hope for blessing and peace. Um, and actually, the book can be summed up into three things, um, the evil of the people, and then these two things being the judgment to come and the hope for future blessing and peace. Um, if we wanted to divide the book, we can divide it into three sections. Each section begins with the word here and ends with a message of hope. Um, so the very first section is chapters one and two. Second section is chapters three, four, and five. And the third section is chapters six and seven. So we want to look at the first section. Um, if we skip the first verse that we just read as the introduction. The second verse in chapter one says, Hear all ye people. And then at the end of chapter two, um, verses 12 and 13, it says, I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of thee. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together as the sheep of Bozrah, as the flock in the midst of their fold. They shall make great noise by reason of the multitude of men. The breaker has come up before them. They have broken up and have passed through the gate and are gone out by it. And their king shall pass before them and the Lord on the head of them. So here, this is the message of hope that God will be like a shepherd to his people and he will gather them up. 
Um, and then section two starts um, from verse one in chapter three. It says, and I said here, I pray you. Um, and then again, we see here some uh, judgment because of the sin. And then the message of hope comes in chapters four and five. In chapter four, we see the Messiah reigning in the millennium. And in chapter five, we see the Messiah coming to earth in his birth. Um, I will go into that in a little bit uh, more detail a bit later on. Um, in the third section, so it starts in chapter six. Again, it says, he now what the Lord says. And it ends um, with the message of hope again in chapter seven, uh, which I'll get into later. I want to look at each chapter in detail. So um, I want to just go through each chapter, talk a little bit about what it's talking about. And I'm going to pick out some verses to help us understand it and help understand the book overall. So if we go back to the first chapter, and I want to read um, from verse 2 to 4. This is the very first opening scene of the book. Um, and it says, Hear all you people, hearken, O earth, and all that therein is. And let the Lord God be witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord comes forth out of his place and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. And the mountains shall be molten under him and the valleys shall be cleft as wax before the fire, and as the waters that are poured down a steep place. So this section here reminded me of um, uh, Exodus when the Lord came uh, on Mount Sinai. And I just want to read that in comparison. So if we go to Exodus 19 uh, and verse 18. It says, And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in, in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. So um, I see similarities here because um, in both uh, in both these instances, the Lord had come down and there was smoke and there was quaking. But the difference is in Micah, the Lord's not coming down to make a covenant with them. Um, it is the opposite. He's almost, uh, or at least in the way that I looked at it, was that he was reminding them of the covenant that he had made. Um, and this time he was coming down to judge them because they had not followed. Um, so... Uh, the chapter then goes on to show how they had committed evil in the sight of the Lord. So if we read verse 7, it says, And all the graven images thereof shall be beaten to pieces, and all the hires thereof shall be burnt with the fire, and all the idols thereof will I lay desolate, for she gathered it of the hire of a harlot, and they shall return to the hire of a harlot. So we see here that they had idols, they had forsaken their God, um, and had other gods before him. Um, moving on to chapter 2, um, we see, again, the judgment comes on those who commit evil. Um, and I'll just pick out an example from verse 2. It says, And they covet fields and take them by violence and houses and take them away. So they oppress a man and his house, even a man and his heritage. So we see here the people were taking land that was not theirs. We read in Joshua that the land was divided by God. And the people here took land that was not theirs, and therefore they were disobeying God's commandments. 
And again, so the end of the chapter ends with that message of hope that despite the judgment that is to come now, there will come a time when they will be gathered um, by God and he is represented as a shepherd here, shepherding his people. Um, moving on to the second section now, so starting in chapter 3, um, we see judgment on leaders, um, the false prophets and priests. So if we read verse 11 from chapter 3, it says, The heads thereof judge for reward, and the priests thereof teach for hire, and the prophets thereof divine for money. Yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. So we see here how even those um, appointed by the Lord in these places were failing um, and they were misleading the people and doing things for money when they shouldn't be. So if we look at so these first three chapters um, and we see how the people in chapter one, they failed in one half of the commandments in loving the Lord their God. And in chapters 2 and 3, we see how they failed in the other half by not loving their neighbors as themselves. And um, again, it just goes um, with that first bit about how the Lord had come to judge them for not obeying him, uh, not obeying the commandments. Um, and we'll see more of that uh, as the chapters go on. So um, if we again wanted just to sum up these first three chapters, we can just put it uh, under the headline of who is like God in judgment. Um, and we can see that. So in the chapter one, verse two, it shows God as a witness. So it says, hear all you people hearken O earth and all that they're in and let the Lord God be witness against you. So the Lord here is the witness. And if we read as well in, um, in verse seven, um, it says, and all the graven images thereof shall be beaten to pieces, uh, sorry, I read verse six as well. Therefore, I will make Samaria as a heap of the field and as plantings of a vineyard, and I will pour down the stones thereof into the valley, and I will discover the foundations thereof. And all the graven images thereof shall be beaten to pieces, and all the hires thereof shall be burnt with fire, um, and so on. So, yeah, this two verses shows us how God was the witness, He was also the judge. And he was the one that carried out the sentence. So, um, yeah, who is like God in judgment? Um, moving on to chapter four. So we see um, uh, actually at the end of chapter three, it says, um, therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field and Jerusalem shall become heaps and the mountain of the house uh, as the high places of the forest. And then verse 1 of chapter 4, But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountains of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and, and people shall flow onto it. So here we see a contrast of the judgment that is to come and then the blessing that is promised. And this blessing is promised in the Lord's day. So um, it is a time to come later on um, when the Lord will reign in peace. Um, in a time called the millennium. So I wanted to compare this to something we, we heard from Nathan about uh, from the book of Joel. So if we go to Joel chapter 3 and verse 9. 
So verse 9, it says, Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles, prepare war, wake up the mighty men, let all the men of war draw near, let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. So here we see what is a time of tribulation where men will make war. Um, and then in back in Micah, uh, chapter 4 and verse uh, 3, it is the opposite. So it says, and he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they le learn war anymore. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. So we see here a difference. Um, they're going from plowshares to swords to make war, and then back to plowshares when there's a time of peace, when the Lord reigns. Um, moving on to chapter 5 now. Here we see um, a prophecy about the Lord Jesus coming. And um, I wanted to point out some verses that are, are quite nice. So just the first verse, uh, it says, they shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. Um, and here we see a prophecy about how the Lord Jesus will be slapped and will be hit with a rod upon his head. Um, and of course, as we know, that happened. And if we read in verse 2, But thou Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be a ruler in Israel whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. This is a really beautiful verse. Um, I want to point out some words from it or some phrases. So first one, out of thee shall he come forth. So in this one, we see the humanity of the Lord Jesus. Um, and again, if we um, remember the verse in John, which says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And then if we read the last little bit of that verse, it says, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Um, this speaks of the deity of the Lord Jesus, that he was, uh, he was and always with, will be God. Um, and it's like John 1, 1 that says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Um and one last phrase from this verse, unto me. Um, here we see how the Lord Jesus was the perfect, um, the perfect one who was sent to earth. He was the one that did the Father's will perfectly. He was the one of whom the Father could say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he is the one that said, I must be about my father's business. So, um, he was the one that could really be said unto me, um, that God can say of him, that he came unto me. Um, in verse 3, we can see, um, uh, we'll just read the verse, Therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth has brought forth, then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. Here we see the result of the rejection of the Messiah. Um, and that um, he will give them up until um, the uh, until the remnant comes out and the nation is reborn again. That will happen in the millennium. 
Finally, in uh, verse four, still talking about millennium, and it says, "And he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide, for now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth." So yeah, again, speaking about the, um, that time when the Lord Jesus will reign um, in the millennium, and um, he will stand and feed his people. Um, the chapter uh, five uh, ends with a warning. Um, and it uh, sort of goes with the next section. So if we just read the last verse, it says, And I will execute vengeance and anger and fury upon the heathen, such as they have not heard. So those who have not heard will be judged. And then the very next verse, chapter 6, verse 1, in the last section, says, Hear ye now what the Lord says. So there's a warning to those who have not heard. And then he says, Hear what the Lord says. And then this chapter um, the first eight verses, it is um, a conversation between God and his people. Um, and he's speaking through Micah one last time to try to um, get them to repent and to turn back to him. And yeah, so as the conversation, it reminded me of uh, the conversation that God had with Job as well. Um, and I'll read a verse uh, but a little bit later on. So if we just read um, chapter 6. And verse 2, it says, Hear ye, O mountains, the Lord's controversy, and ye strong foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will plead with Israel. And then this is what the Lord says, O my people, what have I done unto thee? And wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. Um, this verse really shows the heart of God. Firstly, he calls them my people. Um, despite what they had done, he still saw them as his people. Um, he did not want to give up on them. And then he tells them, what have I done unto you? Like, what have I done wrong? What um, what did I do that led you to treat me this way? Um, it's really like God is heartbroken at the situation and he's pleading with them. And then in, chap uh, in verses 4 and 5, uh, God says, For I brought thee out out of the land of Egypt and redeemed thee out of the house of servants. And I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. And just one thing to note in this verse that um, God is reminding them that it was him, even though Moses was the one leading the people. He says, for I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt and redeemed thee out of the house of the servants. And I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. And then in verse five, again, he calls them, O my people, Remember now what Balak, king of Moab, consulted, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him from Shittim unto Gilgal, that ye may know the righteousness of the Lord. Again, he reminds them of a story of when Balaam wanted to curse them, but instead God turned this curse into a blessing. And so, um, as I said, this reminded me of Job, so I just want to read a verse um, from Job after the Lord had done speaking to him and what Job's answer was. So if we go to Job chapter 40. I want to read verses 3, 4, and 5. Um, it says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once have I spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. Um, this is perhaps the response we should be expecting from the people after the Lord has spoken to them in this way. 
instead they say something terrible. Um, it is really a terrible response. So if we read verses 6 and 7, the people say to God, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give you my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Here they are saying almost in a, in a mocking tone or a self-righteous tone, what more do you want? Um, we have done so much already, but you cannot be pleased. And so they're, they're saying, we don't know what to do to please you. And then comes verse 8, the response from God that ends this conversation. Um, it says, he has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of thee? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. These three things that he told them, again, it reminded me of the covenant. So if we see um, to do justly and to love mercy, we can see that that is loving your neighbor and to walk humbly with your God, that is to love the Lord your God. Um, but they failed. And again, after this section here, there is a section of judgment and because of the evil that the people had done. And this goes on a bit into um, chapter 7 as well. So chapter 7 speaks of the Lord's Day. And um, so it talks about both a time of difficulty, the tribulation, as um, I read from Joel earlier, and um, a time of peace, which is the millennium. So if we read verses 2 to 6 in chapter 7, it says, The good man is perished out of the earth, and there is none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net that they may do evil with both hands earnestly. The prince asks and the judge asks for a reward. And the great man, he utters his mischief, mischievous desire. So they wrap it up. The best of them is as a briar. The most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. The day of thy watchman and thy visitation cometh. Now shall be the perplexity. And I understand this word perplexity here is similar to um, the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, that we hear in the New Testament. Um, and then uh, reading from verse 5, Trust ye not in a friend, put ye not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. For the son dishonoreth the father, the daughter rises up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies are the men of his own house. So here we see the, the difficult times that lies ahead for these people. Um, and yeah, it's the message of judgment before the message of hope. And the very next verse, so verse 7, Therefore I will look unto the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation, my God will hear me. Um, and yeah, so this is the beginning of um, what they should be doing. If we keep reading, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold his righteousness. Then she that is my enemy shall see it and shame shall cover her which said unto me, where is the Lord thy God? 
My eyes shall behold her, now shall she be trodden down as the mire of the streets. So here we see um, this will happen in the time of the millennium. Um, and this is a message of hope. And it goes on for the rest of the chapter. And so I just wanted to um, finish with a question. I've already read verse 7, but um, I'll read it again and then ask the question. So it says, therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Um, where does Micah writing this, where does he get such confidence that the Lord will hear them, that he will forgive? And the answer is in the last three verses of the book. So in verses 18 and 19, we can read, Who is a God like unto thee, that pardoneth iniquity, and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retains not his anger forever, because he delights in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our, our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depth of the sea. Um, Micah here shows us the character of God. He is a God that delights in mercy. He loves to show mercy. He loves his people, and he does not want to turn away from them forever. And um, as I said earlier, um, this shows us who is who is like God in mercy. And the second reason why Micah has this confidence is in verse 20. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. Micah here is referring, referring to the covenant that God made with Abraham, that um, all nations of the earth will be blessed through Abraham's descendants. And because that has not happened yet, and because Micah knows that God is faithful, um, as it says in Hebrews, he is faithful that promised, he knows that this will happen, and he looks for that. And that is how he chose to end the book, looking forward to the promise being fulfilled. So um, that's my introduction to Micah. Um, I hope you all read it. It's a very nice book, um, and yeah, there's a lot more to get out of it um, if you study it for yourself. So I encourage you to do that. I found it um, interesting when, when I was prepping for Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 26, um, Micah is mentioned. Uh, so this Micah. Um, so just uh, very quickly, the background is they want to kill Jeremiah because he's prophesying against Jerusalem and he's saying basically Jerusalem's going to fall. And so the people want to kill him. And um, the verse 16 says, And the princes and all the people said unto the priests and the prophets, This man is not worthy to die, for he has spoken to us in the name of Jehovah our God. Um, and there arose up certain of the elders of the land and spoke to all the congregation of the people, saying, Micah the Morishite prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, the king of Judah, and spoke to all the people, saying, Thus says Jehovah of Hope, Zion shall be ploughed as a field, and Jerusalem shall come heaps and mountains of the house uh, as the high places of a forest. I think Rum has referred to, to that verse in Micah. So one of the reasons that Jeremiah is kept alive is because of the preaching of Micah from years before 
and it was recalled by the elders and um, and he was spared. <laughs> 